0: Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. Acts chapter 3. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers— Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ should suffer, that the Christ would suffer, he has has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers, The Yahweh your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren, Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets, from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. You are sons of the prophets, and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. Now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading from his word this morning. You may be seated. Well,
1: we'd spent the last month going through Acts chapter 2, spent four weeks looking at it, and we saw... The Holy Spirit um, being poured out upon the apostles, and that um, specifically um, that they spoke with other languages, they gave the gospel about Jesus. They spoke in Jesus's name to the the Jews and the proselytes who would gathered together for Pentecost. Right, and on that day, three thousand souls were were saved. And so we're told from that moment, then those converts they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine in the in the camaraderie or fellowship of the, of the apostles. They continued in the breaking of the bread, which I think is communion. Um, we talked about that there. And then continued in the prayers or meeting together for prayers. And then the church added, God added to the church daily, right? But there was this unity that was going on and that nobody considered anything their own, but they willingly sold off what they had in order to meet the needs of others that were there. And so you can see that they had all things in common. They sold their goods to meet the needs of the church. They were one of accord. to gather together daily in the temple. We'll see one in that in a moment. And in their houses, okay. And so because, as a result, then of of this transformation of these early converts and the unity of the church, we see that fear came upon every soul. Many signs and wonders were done by the apostles, and that the Lord added to the church, Yahweh added to the church daily. And so there were exciting things going on. As we transition now into chapter 3, God's going to give us an opportunity to see one of these wonders play out. Okay? So one of these wonders play out. It's an amazing thing that we're going to be seeing um, as we do this. And so I'm trying to move quickly through the introduction here um, because it's so exciting. Um, But in it, we see... God's working extraordinarily, if you would, through an ordinary man. Through ordinary men, I should say. Because there's going to be multiple guys involved. And in it, as we go, this is actually part one. And if you looked at your sermon note sheet and saw the, the title, it's it's in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, part one. David's going to finish up this this part of it next week, going into chapter four, talking about the rest of it. But in this, between chapter three and chapter four, we see... Um, the boldness, we see that um, God working through men in an extraordinary way in the name of Jesus to be able to heal those with infirmities, to save the loss, and then to boldly speak the gospel. It's just an amazing thing. And so, and we're going to see Peter, remember, so we talked about Peter, how Jesus said, follow me and I will what? I will make you a fisher of men, right? And so now here's this fisherman, Peter, who probably enjoyed just being out in the boat by himself. I don't know, I'm reading into him a little bit, right? But if that's where you spent most of your time, you probably enjoyed being by yourself. But now all of a sudden he is centered around people, and he's going to the temple, and we'll see about this. But he's going to take a series of events and turn them around to be able to proclaim Christ. In our summer programs, or summer program, in our kids club, okay? So, kiddos, look at me. Kids club, right? Somebody tell me what's the key verse for kids club. What what is the reference for the kids club? You know it, Rosie. First Peter three fifteen. Oh, I was wasn't sure about how big the screen uh, it would be, but anyways, you got it right. So so kiddos, tell it to me. So little kids, kids in a kids club. Okay, I want you guys real loud so they can try to maybe pick it up on the on the microphone. See if it'll come through. Okay, so I want you to tell me real loud. The, the memory verse, okay? Can you start? Okay, here we go. But sanctify. Good job, guys. That's awesome. Okay? That was great. Always be ready. Always be ready. It's not big on the back of our shirts, right? Always be ready. It kind of looks like the Marines because it's, it's, it's like. nothing personal. I know I was Army too, but the reality is that compared to the Marines, we're just whatever. So anyways, but Marines, I mean, it's the, the concept is always be ready, right? You're always faithful. You're always ready. And so God called us to always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks us a reason for the hope that's within us. With what? With meekness and fear. Good job, kiddos. Yeah, you're it. With meekness and fear, okay? And so the reality is, it's knowing again, as we talked about last week, it's God who gives the increase. But he calls upon us to do the watering and to do the sowing. I can't save anybody. I can't save a soul. But my God can. And he can transform that soul. He just asks me to be willing to open my mouth and to give a defense to everyone who asks me a reason for the hope that's within me. That's what we're going to be seeing Peter do um, in, a, in an amazing way in chapter 3 and chapter 4. Okay. So, first thing, we have his address with the lame man. And we look at the situation. First of all, we have the hour of prayer. Note that it was the ninth hour. So, you need to understand again that in this... Let's see. Do I have... Nope. Yeah. So, the hour of prayer... Is the ninth hour, and we talked about this last week, I think. I think I mentioned this, and I have references on your sermon note sheet. That there were three times a day that they would pray. Okay, so there was a third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour. Okay, that's nine o'clock in the morning, noon, and three o'clock in the afternoon. And so Daniel was a man of prayer. Daily prayed he three times. You all sing the song, right? Daniel was a man of prayer daily, prayed he three times. Morning, noon, and evening fair daily, prayed he three times. That's why, because it was nine o'clock, twelve o'clock, and twilight begins at three o'clock. So between the evenings, Jewish calendar between the evenings is three to six. Okay? That's why Jesus He died on the at the ninth hour. He died right at the beginning of twilight. Okay? That's when the lambs, the Passover lambs were being able to, to begin. Slaughtered at the temple. So before they could slaughter the first lamb, or as they were getting ready to slaughter that first lamb, Jesus dies because he was the Passover lamb. Okay? So so 9 o'clock, so they're, they're, or 9 o'clock, sorry, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, okay? And you'll get this then in a moment after the non-preaching, right? When Peter's arrested, he's put into prison, right? Because it is already what? Evening. Okay? Make sense? Okay? So it's it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and then we get to the predicament of the layman. Okay? And that is that the layman has been lame from the time that he was born, from his mother's womb, from the time that he was born. In other words, he wasn't an accident when he was a child, he was born this way. When Jessica, my oldest, was born, she had um, club feet. She looked like a turkey um, when she was born. And so you say, oh, that sounds rude, but it really was I mean, it was like, you know, the turkey just kind of turned up. And praise the Lord, we had a, a doctor who knew how to um, turn her, her ankles and, and cause her feet to be right, okay? And so their daughter, um, Katya, also was born club, again, and, but even worse, where they had to go to Shriners, and they had her, had her casted as well, but again, very familiar stuff. So we live in a day when some of these things can be handled. Clearly, they didn't live in a day when some of the things, so he could have been just clubbed, club-footed, but he was lame, lame. You can't walk that way. Okay? So he was debilitated. He had an infirmity by which a malady, whatever you want to call it, by which he could not live. Okay? Except for by begging. Daily, he was laid at the temple, at the gate of the temple. Which one specifically? No, not Solomon's. What was it? The beautiful gate. Okay? We're going to get to that, like I think, right now. Okay? He was laid at the beautiful gate. So, from when we were going through um the series to the Ephesians, I showed you the this picture before because we were talking about the, the um the middle wall partition that was taken down by Jesus Christ, okay, because of the Gentiles and the Jews. And so if you look at it, there are three major parts to the Temple Mount. Okay, you have the, the court of the Gentiles or the court of the nations, okay, where unclean, if you would, Gentiles were allowed to be. Okay? Then you have what looks like almost um, like the tabernacle, um, which would be a part of the, on the Temple Mount. And so at the front of that area, the temple proper area, then you have the court of the women. Okay, And so if you were Jewish, you could enter into the court of women. Then you would enter in from the court of women, you would go into the court of the men. Okay, And so only men were able to go into there. And then from there you would go into the temple proper okay only the priests were allowed to go in there and then with inside the temple proper was the holy of holies which only the high priest went into once a year so the question is where was this guy being laid okay there are a couple different um concepts that are put out one is that he is out on um the southern porch um, where we talked about when pentecost happened When Peter and and the other apostles went over to the temple where they probably were speaking, where the McVeighs were, the baptistries, okay? Um, And so, you know, when he said, what must we do? He said, repent and be immersed in the name of Jesus, because the McVeighs were right there. Um, That's one option. But clearly, he's laid at a specific spot, and that is the beautiful gate, okay? And so, um, it's the only time it's used in the Bible, Okay, so there's a lot of conjecture that goes on here. But the next picture I'll show you again, this is a, um, a model of it. There are two specific gates um, within that could be, could be possible here, and I'm going to explain the reason. Okay, and I want you to visualize all this, okay? Because again, this is all comes into play about where people come. So um, <clears throat> you can see the, the, the door going into the court of the woman is nice big gold door okay and it was okay and it was very heavy. It took a couple men to open it up. and then you have another beautiful door that was um, set between the court of the women in the court um, of the men. I think Bob's conjecture. there's no no proof here except for biblical evidence where I'm going to go for it, okay and I think I have in your sermon note sheet on your sermon note sheet the book of Leviticus there, okay. I think he's probably laid right here at the door of the court of the women. Okay? Why? He was lame. And the priesthood, so the only thing we have about this is from the Old Testament, from the law, is that the priests, the Levites, if you had any um um deformity, you weren't allowed to serve. Okay? You wouldn't be allowed into that, that area because you had the deformity. Okay? So... You have the court of the nations, the court of the Gentiles, and the Gentiles, in and of themselves, were what unclean. So they weren't allowed into what I'm going to refer to as not necessarily that it is referred to that, but just for the sake of clarity, into the tabernacle portion, if you would. Okay, that was for the Jews only. Okay, so in my mind, this guy had a deformity. Okay, um, and so he's probably laid there at that golden gate. Okay, which is called the, the beautiful gate. Okay, not the golden gate because there is. The 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 one going outside the temple or into the city and coming into the temple, the Temple Mount, that um, actually for the Messiah to come into. Okay, so not that that gate. So um, to come into this gate. So I think he's being laid here. Okay, um, in every day. So there's a commitment made by somebody to to probably a couple somebodies who are bringing him every day, so he can ask of alms at this gate important part of this gate okay is that if you were a jew a real jew and you're coming to worship the lord and you're coming to do prayers that's where you'd go okay i mean this is i mean like a jews like paul saying he was a hebrew of the hebrews make sense so if you're a hebrew of the hebrews and you're coming to do your your um worship if you would your homage to yahweh and you've got a guy asking for alms what would be a good way to make points with god Okay, You've got to remember, they're, they're living a works kind of thing. Even though they weren't supposed to be works, that's what they're living. That's what. So for the modern-day Jew, from Rosh Hashanah, Yom Torah, which is the Feast of um, Trumpets, or we refer to Rosh Hashanah as the head of the, the year, is the first day of the seventh month. But then you have, on the tenth day of the seventh month, Yom Kippur. Okay, And so Jewish people have ten days. Ten days, because Yom, uh, Yom Kippur is the day of? atonement, but it's a day of judgment. And so in the Jewish mind, they have 10 days to rectify everything that they've done wrong over the past year. Because on the 10th day, on Yom Kippur, everything that is still bad about them is written in the book. So if you want it taken out of the book, you better make sure that you square your account in those 10 days, if you haven't already. Okay? So so they have this works mindset concept. So for them to come in and then to give the alms, Right? Was a a great way to make points with God. So it's a great place if you are a beggar to set up. I mean, and you think around town, you know that you see beggars setting up. Do you? I mean, where do you? I mean, they don't come down into these off streets and set up, do they? Where are they going to set up? Main traffic areas. I mean, it's a, that's where your best hope is, right? And so you got to get up early to get there, you know, to get that best spot. And so he had friends who were able to get him there every day in order for him to, to to take up a collection, okay? So that's his predicament, okay? And so now we move to the conversation, which is really where we get the exciting part, right? So it starts off with a layman saying what? Hey, got any money? I mean, it kind of makes sense. I mean, that's, that's where he was. It was alms. Alms, alms, alms for the poor. Alms, alms. And so he's asking for his what? His needs, his needs. He's reliant upon other people at this moment. So, just real quick, this is free. Be careful of your judgment of poor people. They can pull themselves up by their own bootstraps, but you don't know what their situations are. You don't know what got them to where they are. And I understand that many of them may have addictions, Okay, and I have my my thought process. We're going to talk about this in just a moment. But be careful of of your judgment of when you first see somebody. Okay, We do that. We judge books by the cover do you want people to judge you that way jesus said judge not lest you be judged and how you judge others it shall be judged unto you so the standard that you use god's going to use to you so always think about that okay so the response of the apostle first of all his first statement is silver and gold have i not but such as i have give i unto you okay now that's easy for peter because peter had what yeah the holy spirit oh wait so do i uh, Peter had power. Oh, yeah, well, maybe so do I. Okay. Maybe not in the same way as Peter, but he had the same things that I got. If I've got the Holy Spirit living in me, I've got the same Holy Spirit he had. Don't make this into Super Peter. Peter Man to the rescue. You know? I mean, we do that with Paul Man and Super Paul and, you know, all this kind of stuff. You know, that these guys are superheroes, and wow, I just can't live like those guys. Yes, you can. God may not give you the same abilities that he gave them, but he gave you the same gospel, and he gave you the same Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will speak through you. You shouldn't worry about what you're going to say in the day, because the Holy Spirit will give you utterance. All you have to do is be willing to what? Open up your mouth. Silver and gold have I not, but such as I have, give I unto you. There has to be a willingness to be involved. So you're at the gas station. Hey, buddy. Spare a few bucks. No, I'm not picking, but you get the picture, right? I never carry cash. For that reason. But I'll offer to meet their needs. Hey, I, my car broke down and I'm trying to get to Louisiana. I don't know why you're trying to go to Louisiana. But anyways, but I'm trying to go to Louisiana. And 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 and, and, and I need somebody to fill my tank. Oh fine. Bring your car over. I'll 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 fill up your tank for you. Oh well uh, no! I just, I just, just give me money and I can get it. No, no, sorry, I don't carry cash. Come, bring your car over and I'll fill up your tank. Instantly, have what? Weed it out whether it's real or not, right? But if the guy comes over and this has happened, the guy brings a car over. What am I going to do? Oh, sorry, I didn't really mean it, man. You know, I'm spend money on you. Oh, I can't. It. No, I'm going to fill it up. I'm going to fill it up. Silver and gold, have I not? I was honest. I don't carry cash for this exact reason. But I didn't tell him that. And um. I don't have it, but what I have, I'll help you with. God's provided for me, I'll, I'll provide for you. If this is really a need, I'm willing to meet that need. You know, you see the, the, the guy in the truck, stri- I just need money for food. Really? Yeah, yeah, re- money for food. Well, silver and gold I have in not, but let's head down to McDonald's. Let's head to Burger King. Oh, I'll even go to Arby's for you. I mean, whatever. You want Chick-fil-A? I'll buy you a Chick-fil-A. You know? Oh, no, no. I just need the cash. I mean, you know. Well, no, Okay, no. we really don't need the cash. I mean, that's really... You want the cash for your addictions. Okay? So, but I'm willing to do whatever. I'm willing to meet that need. Does that make sense? you got to weed through the moment. Don't just assume that the guy's a drug addict. He may have fallen hard times. I don't know what his issue is. Okay? You want work? Are you willing to work? Maybe I can find you work. When I had the home improvement business, I had one or two guys that worked with me who were in between things. And it was hard. I mean, because, again, they may not have the best work ethic, but I worked on that work ethic. Because you will not work, you will not get paid. That's what the Bible says, right? Okay, and I'm not paying you to smoke your cigarettes. I'm not paying you to take your breaks. Okay? I mean, I'll do the official O show 15 minutes, and you've got a half hour for lunch stuff. But that's it, dude. Other than that, you are working. Don't Do not ask me to go smoke a cigarette because we're on somebody else's property and you're not going to smoke the cigarette on their property. Make sense? Okay? Don't talk to me about talking on your phone. I don't even want to see the phone on my job site because I'm not paying you to, to work on the phone. Does that make sense? Okay? So there's, there's a balance in this. Okay? You have to have biblical standards, which you're playing out, but you're not turning a, a, a deaf ear, a blind eye, to someone who has a need. Jesus said... That when you take care of the least of these, you've actually done it to him. That's when he weeded out the sheep and the goats. Do you remember that? Who were the goats? The goats were the ones who wouldn't take care of the least of these. So be careful. Now, Peter said, I'm willing to use what God has given me. Now, again, I may not have the gift of healing from that perspective, like instant, boom, healing. But I don't know what God's going to do at that moment. Okay, I've shared um, accounts of what happened um, through my brother and his wife at different times when they've been out on the mission field. My brother was in Nepal, and um, saw a guy washing a yak with one arm. You know, because maybe this is left one. Anyways, I'm trying to think through the anyways. And so, but the other arm was was limp. Okay, and so God put it on his heart to pray for the guy. And said, can I pray for you? And he said, yes. So it's through an interpreter. And so he prays for the man for his healing. And nothing happens. And so Jim goes his way. The next day, they couldn't go into the village because Nepal, you're not allowed to proselyte. okay? And there were issues going on at the time. And so they had to continually know what was happening each day. So they couldn't go out that day. They couldn't go in the village. Um, So the next day, so after that, he goes out. And as he crosses the bridge um, to go into the village, there's this guy. And he's washing his yak with two arms. Two arms. And when he goes into the village, he has an opportunity to share the gospel because everybody knows the miracle that was done. But it wasn't him. Does that make sense? My sister-in-law was in Africa um, once, and they saw a woman stooped over. And the person that she was with felt burdened to pray for that individual, for that woman. And she consented for them to pray. And they laid hands and they prayed on her. And same concept, exactly what we're going to see at that moment. Her back straightened up and she walked erect. Now you can say what you want about those things. Make sense? But God is still in the business of doing miracles. Okay? It may not happen every single day. It may not happen for every single individual I pray for. Does it make sense? I've prayed for others. I've laid hands on people. I've anointed people with oil, and God has chosen not for them to be instantly healed. We prayed for somebody once many years ago, many years ago, who had back problems. And there was numerous, we prayed for them, laid hands on them. Later that day, my back, I mean, I was laid out. My back hurt so bad. It's like, Lord, this is not what I asked for. I, I, I didn't ask for the transfer from his back pain to my pain, but you know Jesus did it for me. That's exactly how Jesus healed me. He laid hands on me and he took everything from me. And so I was really challenged at that moment in my own faith. Am I willing? Am I, am I willing? If this woman, so pick on the woman in Africa, am I willing to be stooped so this woman can be pure, be whole? Am I willing to have an, a, a, a limp arm in order for that guy to be whole? Peter says, Silver and gold I have enough. But such as I have, give I unto you. And then the next statement comes, right? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In the name of Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach. In the name of Jesus the Messiah. It's important. There was a lot of Jesus's, we would say today, right? There was a lot of Jesus's, a lot of Jesus's. It was Yahashua. Yahashua was what Jesus' name was. It's Joshua. Yeshua. Okay? And so Joshua was a very famous name. Um, You can understand why amongst them, right? And literally it means Yahweh delivers. Okay? And so, so they wanted to have that. So he is being specific about who he is talking about. First of all, he's talking about Jesus, who is what? He's Messiah. So when... This is going to happen in a moment, right? When the lame man goes to stand, you know the story, so I'm not spoiling it for you, right? <laughs> Spoiler! Okay, oh, sorry, the lame man gets healed. You knew that, okay. Anyways, so when he goes to stand, he's standing in what he knows, and what he believes. Do you understand? There's going to be a statement of what you believe. What do you believe? Jesus is who? Messiah. Well, what Jesus are we talking about? Well, the one who's Messiah. But no, no, specifically, he's Jesus of Nazareth. Does anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, apparently one thing did. Right? And so 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says to the Corinthian believers, he says, look, I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For just as Eve was deceived, so you very well may be deceived. Someone may come in with another Jesus. Ooh, a what? Another Jesus. How do you get another Jesus? Jesus is just a name, y'all. It's a special name to us. God uses that special name. But Jesus was just a name for them. Paul said, someone may come in with another Jesus. Someone may come in with another spirit. You may believe another gospel. If you are not believing in the right Jesus, if you're making a Jesus that you want to believe in, Paul says that in, in times people are going to heap themselves teachers having what itching ears they're going to bring people to speak to them what they want to hear and then they're, and they're oh yeah that's exactly what i believe yo man i'm going there why because it's what you believe it's not necessarily what the bible says but it's what you believe and so you're good with that it's amazing how many times i have that those conversations with people about what the bible says but it's not what i believe so what i believe trumps what the bible says But my faith ought to be built upon the foundation of God's word. Does that make sense? Whether or not I like it, whether or not I necessarily agree with it. It's God's word. Therefore, it's what? It's truth. That's exactly right. So in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, then he gives them what? Rise up and walk. Like this is a common thing. He hasn't done this for 40 years. In fact, honestly, he's never done this. Never, ever, ever. He doesn't even know how to. Do you ever think about that? Do you ever think about the entropy that happens in your, bu- in your muscles that you don't use? And Peter says to him very simply Okay, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up. It's time to boogie. You say what? Well, I, we're walking, leaping, praising. Was, you know, I've been I've been doing this in my, my mind for the last couple nights in my dreams. March probably got smacked on Thursday night, going into Friday. I mean, I was dancing and everything. My Croatian side was coming out in my dreams. I mean, I was just going for it. And um, and we'll talk about that in a moment too. But anyways, so in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Note the faith that Peter has at this moment. And that leads us then into this next part, the healing. And the first thing we see is the lame man leaped up. And this was a a, a joint effort of the faith of Peter and the faith of this man. Jesus said when he went to Nazareth, Nazareth, he couldn't do anything when he was there. Not that Jesus lacked faith, but that the people lacked faith. God can do whatever he wants to do. And he can he can he can work in youth ways that you couldn't work otherwise. And he could cause you to but you know what? God made you a free well being. And he wants you to make a decision. This is another one of these reasons I don't believe necessarily in pure election. Does it make sense? This lame man makes what? He makes a decision. Does he believe or doesn't he believe? This guy is offering him a healing in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You're the guy. All you wanted was what? A shekel. Give me a half a shekel. And this guy says, dude, I ain't got any money. But here, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you the gospel. Would you do that? I mean, would you, would you give the guy at the grass station? I haven't got any money on me. I'll fill your tank. Well, I don't know. But here, tell you what. I, here's what I do have. Can I give you this? And then, then you witness to him. When's the last time you did that? Somebody came up begging and you gave him the gospel. And then, above all things, the individual what? Breaks down and gets saved. That's exactly what's happening here. There wasn't a plan going into this day. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The beggar's been there all day. All day. I don't know where Peter and John have been all day. I just know where they're at this moment. And i got to believe that Peter and John passed this guy numerous times. I'm thinking if he's been doing this for 40 years, Jesus passed this guy. And Jesus didn't heal him. Jesus didn't stop. Peter and John didn't stop before. But at this very moment, there was an interaction. And they knew what God had called them to do. And by faith, they did it. And by faith, this lame man leaped up. Now it says that Peter grabbed him and pulled him up. But it also then says, and the lame man leaped up. So I think that two things are happening. That Peter is rapping down there. I mean, he's not waiting for this guy. He's grabbing this guy. And he's going to pull him up. Could you imagine that in our culture today? The lawsuits? Better not touch him. He's reaching out and he's grabbing him. He's pulling him up. at the same time, the faith of this guy is saying, yeah, I can do this. Boom. And then he's walking. And he's not just walking. He's what? He's leaping. And we'll talk about the praising God in a second. The lame man entered the temple. This is the biggest point of this entire passage to me. He can never enter the temple. Never! He was imperfect, he was impure. He was unclean. He couldn't get into the presence of God on his own. But God sent some beautiful feet to the beautiful gate to bring him a beautiful message. And by faith he believed it. And by faith, he got to, at that moment, enter into the presence of God. Spiritually, but then physically. Could you imagine, as a Jew, the moment? That's what I'm saying. I mean, my Croatian side is coming out when I think of this thing. I mean, I just want to start looking. I mean, you think I'm going to be a charismatic or a Pentecostal or whatever. I I mean, that's what's happening at this moment. Think David, as they're bringing in the the, the Ark of the Covenant, and he sinks. He's singing and he's dancing and all. And Michael says what? Oh, I can't believe it. Great disdain, you know. And um, But this guy, he is boogying. He's excited. He's happy. He's joyous. He's bubbling over. They kind of got the attention of everybody. I don't know if the healing got everybody's attention immediately. But I guarantee you the reaction did. Because he's excited. you got another transformed life going on there. Right? And everybody knows who he is. He's the greatest scholar of Jerusalem. No, he's not. He's the biggest guy on the talk show networks. He wasn't. Who was he? He was that beggar. That beggar. That you see all the time and you think to yourself, yeah, I wonder if he got a a, a Mercedes on the other side of the the parking lot that he goes to when he's all done for the day. Or I wonder if if he's heading down to the state store. Or if you wonder if he's... But everybody knew who this guy was. This is the guy who has been lame from his mother's womb. And yet here he is in the temple. Praising God. And you can't say a word. Because what? He's pure. He's whole. He's not prohibited. Do you get it? And this must have been so big. Think about it. So look at this area. And you think about all the people that came together. They must have come back out. Okay? After they go in, they must have come back out. Because it caused such a disturbance there's all these people. People are rushing in from Jerusalem, probably. Okay? And so, sorry for those who are watching on video. They don't see me anymore. But this is the southern portion. Okay, And it's coming up through here. Okay, people, Many people would come up through that way. Okay, And so, for those watching it later, that's coming from the left side. Anyways, the, that's the southern side. And they would come up into there. And so, I imagine words spread immediately. I mean, think about that. you think everybody would know about that, right? I think somebody got on Twitter and put it out. Anyways, and so people were just massively coming in, right, from all over the place. And so behind the temple, behind the temple, this portico area classically is referred to as Solomon's Porch. Okay? Um, A lot of that area is is considered that area. Okay? Some people would refer to the southern portion where those porticos are, Solomon's Porch. But the point is they spilled over to the bigger area because there were so many people who were gathering around them to find out what happened. Well, then the lame man, what? Praise God. Because he knew what the origin of the miracle was. He knew it wasn't Peter that healed him. So many times we praise the messenger. We praise the servant. But a true loss, and Peter called himself a loss, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, a true loss. Understands that he has no, he's not deserving of any praise at all. All he is is a mere servant of God. God has given you the privilege of knowing him. God has given you the privilege of serving him. Yes, it's a privilege to serve, it's a privilege to be a bondslave of Jesus Christ. It's a privilege to be a bondslave of the God of the universe. Even Jesus, though, shared the illustration, the parable, of the bond slave that comes in from the, the field. The bond slave doesn't come in from the field expecting the master to have what? Serve him with supper. Rather, the master says, hey, after you've made me some food, then you can sit down and eat. Too many times our Americana mentality prohibits us, inhibits us from understanding the benefits, the joys of being a slave to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because we don't want to be enslaved to anybody. We want to be our own masters. This guy got it. The miracle was brought about by the Lord God Most High. Peter was just an instrument. Just an instrument. Well, that leads then to this final part of it, at least for today, addressing the crowd. Because they're going to have, because it's addressing the crowd, it's going to lead into addressing the Sanhedrin, as you're going to talk about next week, Lord willing. But in addressing the crowd, the people knew, first of all, the validity of the miracle. They gathered together because they knew. This was unequivocable. This was a miracle. We know this guy. Forty years. Lame. Cannot walk. And so everybody comes. Isn't that kind of cool? Could you imagine now, so stop being Peter for a moment, make yourself the lame man. You've been lame for 40 years. For 40 years, you've been sitting at the gate, beautiful, well, probably not 40 years because you had to grow up a little bit. So maybe 28 years, you've been sitting at the the temple, the, the, the beautiful gate, asking for alms, bringing money into your family's coffers to help them take care of you and then maybe your mom and dad at this point 40 years old mom and dad might be already dead and now you are having to take care of yourself and whatever you're getting in this is how you take care of and you your friends who are bringing you or extended family who are bringing you 40 years messiah has already passed you i mean when jesus heals the the man who was born blind right it's already farther into his ministry And apparently those guys sitting there listened into conversations that were going on. We can talk about that from other portions of Scripture. So in my mind, I think this guy's already heard of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I think he's already heard about the Messiah named Jesus. Remember, it was just a few years earlier, or maybe even well, not even a few years, it was actually just less than a year earlier, when Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on the donkey. And the whole city was in an uproar, excitement, right? And then he dies on the cross. So, I mean, he knows these things. But now you're the crowd. You're not involved in this moment, other than you are involved in a moment because it's happened around you. And you see this guy that you know, you know, you know, he's been lame. And you've listened to the the priests in their denial of Jesus all this time. But now all of a sudden you come and you see what? Yet another miracle. Now done by a simple fisherman from Galilee who merely did it by proclaiming the name of Jesus. He didn't spit on the ground and make some mud. He didn't yank his leg and pull it out. He merely mentioned the name of Jesus and commanded the guy to get up and walk. The people were amazed, but Peter wouldn't take any credit, because due losses are merely that due losses. But then Peter then transitions into the, their guilt. The crowd comes together. Again, we saw this when he talks to them at Pentecost, right? How to make friends, influence people, right? Tell them they're guilty. Tell them that they killed the Messiah. That's really good stuff, right? Hey, you delivered him up to die. Pilate wanted to get rid of him. Pilate declared that he was innocent. But you denied him. You said, oh, no, 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 no. We have only one king. It's, it's, uh, We Caesar. Caesar's our king. What do you want me to do with this guy? Crucify him. Crucify him. So what did Pilate do? He handed him over to you guys. Yeah, it was the Roman authorities that crucified him, but the Roman authorities weren't going to crucify him except for the fact that what? It's what you wanted for your Messiah. All these thousands of years, you have been crying out for the anointed one to come, for Messiah to come and deliver you. He was here. And you crucified him. But God delivered him. You delivered them to the authorities, but God delivered them from death. Isn't that kind of cool, how that breaks out, the the deliverance thing? We bring forth death. God brings forth life. How cool is that? Peter is very clear. In order for someone to be saved from their sin, they need to know what? They're a sinner. I know that sounds awful, but even over the good news club, that's what we, when we talk about sin, how many of you ever disobeyed your mom or your dad? That's a pretty simple thing. Every hand goes up because they know it. Have you ever stole a cookie? Did you ever not clean your room when your mom said clean your room? Did you ever hit your brother when you, when she said, don't hit your brother? I mean, just go through. Well, that's only one of the things. And so the wages of sin is death. You're guilty. Even if you do one, so James 2.10 says if you obey the whole law, yet you stumble at one point, you're guilty of of it all. You're guilty. And you deserve to go to the bad place. H-E-double-L the hockey sticks, right? You deserve to go to be separated from God for all of eternity because of what you've done. And so Peter very clearly spells out to them their guilt. That they are sinners the day have turned away. But he says, but you did it in ignorance. Note he doesn't say innocence. You did it in ignorance. Jesus said that while he was on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Paul then talked about that. When he's talked about the, the, the rulers of the people, if they had known who he was, they wouldn't have handed him over to be crucified. I think Pilate had an idea. His, his wife came and said, hey, I have nothing to do with this righteous man. And, and yet he gave in to peer pressure and worrying about people. He feared man more than he feared God. But they understood that there's a part where ignorance plays out. In the law, in the law, so I know it doesn't actually apply to us, but if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're still under the law. And the law says that even though you don't know when you've sinned, when you find out that you have sinned, you are what? You're guilty and you need to bring the sacrifice. Because you are guilty. You just didn't know. But when it's brought to your attention that you're guilty, that's why Jesus said, if you're bringing your your gift to the altar and you find out that your brother has something against you, leave your gift and go take care of it with your brother and then you can come back and give your offering. You had ignorance. But now you don't. Now you have to make a decision. The crowd's necessity. First of all, they needed to repent and they needed to convert. What's exciting about this passage to me is we always talk about the, the word for repent, and I know you can't read the Greek, but you can tell me what it is. What is it? What's the word for repent in the. In the in, in? Metanoia, okay? So that's not metanoia there, okay? But that's the verb form of it, and it's in the perfect active sense, okay? That's the, or the imperative active, sorry. And it's a command, okay? Change the way you think. But the second word is the one that we normally think of when we think about repent. When we talk about repent a lot of people think it means you have to change the way you act not change the way you think. Well epistrepho is that. So these are the two words. I almost put them in the last slide that we'll get to, right? Is there a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act and that's the words that we're using. Is there a need to change your mind, metanoia, and then therefore change the way you act, epistrepho. Epistrepho is I'm riding down, I'm, I'm I decided to go to the beach. going to go to Myrtle Beach. And I got on I-20 westbound toward Atlanta. Anybody tracking with me? I got a what? I got a problem. I'm going to go a long trip to go that way, right? And I'm riding down the road, and my, my mind wakes up. Oh. The Holy Spirit convicts me, whatever, right? I'm riding down, and I see the sign for Thompson, and I go, Thompson? I should be seeing Aiken. What's going on? Oh, man. I'm going the... To- Wrong way. So I epistrepho. I turn around and I go back the other way. I change my direction. Does it make sense? In order for you to change your direction, you have to change the way you think. Two things are involved there. What do we do? Well, he told the other ones, repent and be baptized. Now he tells these guys what? Repent and what? Turn your, turn your direction. Change your direction. It's all the same concept. Because the minute you change your direction, you're going to do what? You're going to get immersed in the name of Jesus. Because that's what Jesus called for you to do. So, what do they need to do? Repent and convert. Why? That your sins may be blotted out. That your sins may be wiped away. It's an accounting term. That, that you can be, your slate can be cleaned. Because God took him who knew no sin. And made him become Your sin. all your sin was taken off your slate and placed upon the slate of Jesus Christ. Your gossip, he became it. Your lust of the flesh, he became it. Your greed, he became it. Your blasphemy, He became it. And when he died on the cross, he said, Tetelestai. It is finished, it's completed. Nothing else has to happen. It's the same word to be used for when you pay off your mortgage. It's finished. No more payments need to be made. If you repent, change the way you think. And are converted. If you believe in the name of Jesus Christ. If you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. That he has died on the cross for you. And that by placing your faith in him, you can live eternally with God. Our memory verse that we've reviewed today, right? Jesus said, I am the way, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. And whoever believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? That's how it plays out. You can't kill me. You can stop my my tent from existing on this earth. But you can't kill me. To be absent from the body is, you're present with the Lord. Have you called upon the name of the Lord? Do you recognize that you're a sinner? Have you asked God to forgive you? Have you committed your life to him? It's pretty simple. It's simple enough that Jesus said that you have to become like a child. But we want to make it complicated. It's not complicated. It's pretty easy. Repent. Be converted. That your sins may be blotted out. And that a time of revival may be brought in. I don't think, this is going to sound political, I don't mean it's political. I don't think the Democrats are the problem with the United States. I don't think the Republicans are the problem with the United States. I don't think the talk show pundits, it's a struggle for me, are the problem with the United States. You can get rid of them all. Anyways, I don't think gay rights is a problem with the United States. I don't think women's rights are the problem with the United States. I don't think abortion rights are the problem with the United States. I think the church is the problem with the United States. The camouflaged church That doesn't exist anymore from Monday to Saturday. And could I say, stretch it from 12 o'clock Sunday afternoon to 12 o'clock or to 9 o'clock Sunday morning? That we want to live like the world? Change the way you think and change the way you act. A revival will come. He's talking to Jews. It's a Jewish statement. But get the application of this. God, Yahweh, speaks to Solomon. And he says, if my people, not if those nations around you, not if those unbelieving scoundrels that are there, those pagans, if my people, who are called by my name, will what? What's the first thing? Humble themselves. That means you've got to admit that you got a problem. But once we get saved, we don't want to admit that we're sinners anymore. Do you know what? You're all together here because you're a sinner. Hopefully because you've been redeemed. I know that Jesus died for you. I know that he's a propitiation for your sins. But whether you've accepted it or not, I don't know. But I hope that you have. And that's why you came to worship him. But you're all still sinners. You're still struggling with sin. You haven't gotten there yet. Why do I do the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things I do want to do? Don't hide behind it. Don't use it as a cloak. I am a sinner. That's why if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself and the truth is not in you. If you say you have not sinned, you make God a liar and his word is not in you. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. If they'll humble themselves and if they'll what? They'll pray and seek my face. What are you going to do the rest of the day? What are you going to do this week? How much are you going to be reading God's word? How much time do you spend seeking God's face? You don't have to give an account to me. You're going to give an account to God. And you can play the game all you want. Say, well, you know, I'm an American and it's really okay and all other kinds of No, it's not okay. Are you real or are you not real? The early converts, there was a transformation in their life such that it it turned the world upside down where they were at. 3,000 people were saved. And we're going to find out about 1,500 people get saved right now. Because people are living it out. They're living it out. They're not playing a game. I think we've gotten used to playing games. Stop playing games. Is it better for you to live as a pauper And be serving the Lord or better for you to live with great riches in serving yourself? Now you say that's an easy one because you're in the church. I get it. But ask yourself the question tomorrow. And I'm not saying you've got to sell everything. Now go there. That's not what I'm saying. But it's a mindset. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God And mammon, the things that money buys. That's the United States God. That's materialism. And you can't serve them both. You've got to make a decision. Which one are you going to serve? If they'll pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, who's he talking to? His people, who are called by his name, to turn from their wicked ways. Ooh, that means I have wicked ways. I do. Every time I lust in my heart toward another woman who's not my wife, That's called adultery. It doesn't matter. It's what it is. And even if I seek, say, couch it as I'm going to lust after my wife, but I'm superimposing other things into it, it's still adultery. Do you get it? Women, you read your your Christian Harlequin romances, and and, and I'll just let that go as you do it, okay? But all of a sudden you begin to lust after the guy, the, the hero of the story, and wish your husband was like that guy. You're doing the exact same thing. It may not be a physical thing, but it's an emotional thing. And you're making an attachment with a guy who's not your husband. Or coveting somebody else's. When tax times comes, do you, are, are you honest and report everything? Or do you try to, to snaggle out of the government everything you can get? Even if it means you've got to cheat a little bit to get that. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then, then, God says, here's what I'll do. If you'll do that, here's what I'll do. I will hear from heaven, I will forgive your sins, and I will heal your land. Don't you wonder how many sins are kind of still hanging out there for you? Because you said you said the sinners prayer, but then you chose to live whatever life you want to live, and you haven't confessed your sins, and you, so he hasn't been faithful and just to forgive your sins because you never asked for him to do it. How many sins are still hanging out there? You know, Second Corinthians chapter five is very clear about the judgment seat of Christ. That when I leave this tent as a believer. I'm going to go before the judgment seat of Christ. It may not be the great white throne of Revelation 20, but it's the judgment seat, the bema seat of Jesus Christ. It's the judgment seat. And I'm going to give an account for everything I've done in my flesh. And that's why Paul, the preacher of grace, said, therefore, knowing the fear of God, the terror of the Lord, I persuade men. I'm getting a little impassioned, sorry. This is my heart. I want to see a revival in this land. I want to see awakening in this land. It's not going to happen until the church gets in the game plan and stops worrying about having a a party or a, a show on Sundays. And I'm not picking on churches. It could be ours. You could come here because it feels good to you. There's no difference between you coming here because it feels good to you and someone else going to another church because it feels good to them. If you're not coming here to worship God, if you're not coming here to be fed, if you're not coming here to change be transformed, so that you can be a transformational power upon your community, then it doesn't matter. i got to move quick. Sorry. The crowd's response, 5,000 people total. This is why we get into Acts 4, just because they're, they're going to be arrested, but at the end of at verse 4, we read about the, the ultimate effect of what happens here. 3,000 were saved um, at Pentecost. There was... Um, 120 originally, then the Lord added to the church daily. How many were here? I don't know. Maybe 1,500? Another massive increase to the church? Because God worked a miracle, because God worked a wonder. And we're going to see how this is going to play out when we get to Acts 6. There's going to be a lot of growing problems, okay? But we'll, we'll do that when we get there. But it's exciting stuff. When the people got it, when they lived it, when they had the unity, the community, and they did all these things together, and they were really worshiping God, God added to the church. God added to the church. All right, I don't have time for this, but this is important. They were in inar, not anthropos. You say, what's the difference? There were 5,000 men. Men, not people. 5,000 andros in air. Men. Problem with the United States is the church. Can I get more specific? It's the men in the church. When a woman's got to lead, it's a condemnation on men. Nothing personal, women. But God called men to lead. First Timothy 2 is very clear that a woman shouldn't teach nor usurp authority over a man. First Timothy 3 is clear that the overseers ought to be husbands of one wife. Kind of hard for a woman to be that. You say, oh no, our culture's changing. It doesn't matter. That's not according to God's word. You don't change God's word and do what you want to do. And the problem with the mainstream churches and now that they're dealing with the homosexual side is because they already gave away the whole thing about women. If you're going to change the rules here, change the rules everywhere. If you're going to change the rules on salvation, change the rules on baptism, change the roles on women, then you're going to change the rules over here. It all goes together. Either the Bible is the standard for all things or it's not. Guys, you need to lead. It's a crime for your wife to be the spiritual leader of your house. It's a sin against God that your wife has to be the spiritual leader of the house. And you know whether I'm hitting hard at home or not. It doesn't mean that you have to be great at it. It means you've got to be try. You've got to be willing. Lead your family in prayer every night. Every night before you go to bed. Bring your family together. Pray together. Say, wow, we have different schedules. Okay, whatever. Figure it out. Dinner time. I don't really care. Do something. Be a spiritual leader. Facilitate them to be able to grow in, in, the, in the word. You are ultimately the responsible individual in your home. I got to end. How have you repented? Have you repented? Have you changed the way you thought about Jesus and called upon him to deliver you from your sins? Have you accepted him as the Lord of your life? It's huge questions. And I just ask you again. We asked, I asked these questions two weeks ago. So if they look familiar, it's because they are. I didn't change those slides. Brought them in from two weeks ago. This question is still going to be the same. I ask myself that all the time. Am I real? Am I really, really real? Lord, protect me from having my love wax cold in my old age. I'm going to pick on Asa for a moment. Where are you at, Asa? You got a great namesake until he's what? Like three, four years from the end of his, his reign. And then he, he falls away. He falls away. I don't want to be like that. That's my takeaway. I want to be like Asa for the first 30-something years of his reign. I don't want to give it up at the end. Oh, wrong way. How bold are you to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ? I am a yellow belly chicken liver. I am a yellowed belly, chicken liver, and you can add any other wimpy term to it that you want to. It's okay. That's why I go knocking on doors on Wednesday night. See, it doesn't make sense. It does make sense. That's why Steve goes knocking on doors too. Because we hold each other accountable because we're both yellow belly chicken livers. But Steve is in Cuba right now, getting ready to come back because he went there to do what? Knock on doors. Because he knows that's what we need to do. We need to boldly take the message out there. And by going door to door, I'm forced to do it. Do you get it? Why'd you come to my door? Uh, do you have any eggs? It's not why I'm there. Here's a tract. I'm just giving you information about Jesus. Well, about the church. But we pray before we go Lord, open our mouths. Cause us to be bold, to be able to speak whatever you want us to speak. We get doors slammed on us. Not with the ring. And all the other ones, we don't get doors open. I know they see me. They're in the house. They don't come. I hear the TV on. I hear the people moving. But they see the ring. Uh, Whatever. It doesn't matter. My job is to do what? Take the gospel out. You say, well, I don't have to necessarily go. I think we should go door to door. I do. I think it's from God's word in Acts because they went door to door. I think we should do it, go door to door. However, regardless, people say, ah, oh, there's not a whole lot of um, return on that one. Yeah, there is. People hear the gospel. It's not, again, my job to know whether they're getting saved or not. Are you ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's within you? I share this to the kids on Wednesday nights. Right, kids? On Wednesday nights, I come back and I share someone I might have met with and, and things that they don't know, like the last one we went on about heaven. And, and they didn't understand about heaven. So I was able, because I know a little bit about heaven, right? Never been there, but I know what God's word says. and Oh, it wasn't when we knocked on doors. It was actually at the, um, the car dealer. And I was there for my old change and entire rotation and whatever. And these people were just talking ignorance. And, and and I don't mean that wrong because we talk ignorance sometimes. And so they didn't know what the Bible said about heaven. And they're coming up with all these things, but they're believers. And so I'm sitting back here working on my message for Sunday, you know, just kind of like trying to be, you know, out of the way, everybody. And I thought, okay, God, I get it, I get it, I get it. I cannot be quiet. And I said, well, actually... I has not seen, nor heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who wait on him. Huh? Yeah, that's what God's word says. Yeah, and and that thing about with your wife, don't worry about it. Jesus said that we're going to be like angels, and and there's not going to be any giving and getting in marriage when we get there. I said, there's a lot of things that we'd like it to be. We want it to be from our side, but we really need to understand from God's side. And when we get there... It's not going to be a matter whether Fifi or Fufu or whatever my cat or dog's name is is going to be there or not. It doesn't matter because I'm going to be so thrilled. If you know Jesus as your Savior, when you get there, you're going to be so thrilled that you get to see him and you're in the presence of God that everything else is gone. And they're like, yeah, that's exactly right. And and they're like, oh. Anyways, so I do not know where that was all going to go. We had a great conversation for about five, ten minutes, whatever. And then one guy, when he left, he stopped by and says, you know what? I really appreciate everything you said. And at some point in there, I was asked, are you a pastor? Anyways, I mean, I had my camo hoodie on and everything. I was, you know, I, I hate people because it doesn't matter. When when I had my home improvement business, I loved it. People didn't know I was a pastor because the minute they think you're a pastor, they what? They shut you off. You guys have the best opportunity to witness because they can't discount you. You're not doing it for money. I'm not doing it for money either. But the minute you say I'm a pastor. There's got to be something in it for me. That's yeah, my job. And it's not. Be ready to give it the answer. Do you look for opportunities to share Christ with those around you? Clearly, I tried to avoid them. Until the Spirit just slaps me with it and says, open your mouth up, boy. And I said, all right, I am. Is there a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you that you are the Lord God most high, that there is none others but you. Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to be bold. Help us to proclaim your name and that you might be magnified. Oh, God, change your church. Cause us to repent. Cause us to to, to come to you, Lord, and uh, to be humbled before you and to to turn from our wicked ways. To be willing to to allow you to fully, 100% analyze us and to reveal to us the things that we have wrong. That you might receive the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.